Stick with the strategy of God and wait on his timing to access the path towards the miracle you've been praying for? Or do we take matters into our own hands? Well, join me as I unpack this thought today in the spacious room. Experiencing a small contained faith? Tired of settling for less? Well, this podcast is going to help you live out your faith in a spacious room. Because you were made for bigger things. Well, hey there and welcome to this week's Spacious Room episode. And today I want to talk about taking matters into our own hands. Yes, here's what I know about all the miracles God has done for me personally over the years. The hardest part of the miracle is always in the waiting. <laughs> Don't you agree? Even in your own life, for the own miracles that God has, has just miraculously done for you, you're just waiting on that miracle. That's the hardest part. You see, the temptation of taking matters into our own hands when God promised to come to our rescue and he ends up being a no-show is completely disappointing, to say the least. However, it's not that God isn't going to show up for us. It's just that crucial moment within our waiting where we find ourselves in this conundrum. It's the familiar part in our stories where we're between the rock and the hard place. And this is the test of truly believing that God is as faithful as he says he is and he can do what he said he would do. However, it's in that lingering, that wondering, that gap in between the prayer and the promise where things go completely south for us. And in that moment, do we stick with the strategic strategy of God and wait on his timing to access the path towards the miracle he has waiting for us? Or... Do we take matters into our own hands? Well, if you've done that, which I have too, I will totally put my hand up here. We are not alone, my friend, because in 1 Samuel chapter 13, we find King Saul waiting for a miracle. And I'll just set the scene for you. Israel was seriously outnumbered in troops compared to the Philistine army. And so out of fear... They chose to hide in caves, in holes, in rocks, in tombs, in cisterns. Wherever they could hide, they found it. But King Saul remained with the people and were like, whoa, King Saul is really not that bad because, you know, we hear, we hear bad stuff about King Saul, you know, but this time he actually remains with his people. And they're left standing because he's been told by the prophet Samuel to wait seven days as this was the time set by Samuel the prophet. It's just like, so you need to wait seven days and God is going to come through. And Saul's like, okay. So in 1 Samuel 13, 8, it says Saul waited for Samuel for seven days. Yep, he totally did that. He was totally obedient. And it was the amount of time he had been told by Samuel to wait. But <laughs> there's always a but with King Saul, isn't there? But the prophet did not come to Gilgal. Oh, Samuel wasn't there after the time he set. And the people began to slip away. A few more days and Saul would have had no army left. 
So what did he do? He decided to take matter into his own hands. Now it's easy for us to say, Saul, just wait. Your miracle is on its way and Samuel's going to totally show up and you're going to defeat the Philistine army. Well, yes. In hindsight, when you read these um, Bible stories, it's great, isn't it? You know, we, we just know from the beginning to the middle to the end how it's all going to pan out. But King Saul didn't know this because obviously the story is being played out. And, and aren't we the same as King Saul? I mean, wouldn't we start to panic as we watched what little army we had left slip away? And we've waited the seven days and now our miracle is hanging in the balance. I think we would have totally done the same thing if we were given half the chance. And like Saul, we are obedient in the waiting. He waited seven days and we find ourselves following the last instruction. But when we feel like we're on our own, when we let the fear and the doubt and the worry crowd our thoughts and when we see all the people slipping away and leaving us, it's then, that's the moment we decide to take the matter into our own hands. And we move on to the story in verses 10 and 13. It says, although Saul was not a priest, now this is really important, he wasn't a priest, he was a king. But he offered the burnt offering himself without waiting for Samuel. And immediately after Saul finished the offering, when the aroma of the sacrifice lingered over the land, Samuel arrived. Ba-ba! He arrived. And Saul went out to greet him and pay his respects. So he's not telling him anything what's happened. Ha! But Samuel is a prophet and he... He knows what's going, what's going on. And he knew Saul had overstepped his bounds. And Samuel goes, what have you done? And Saul's like, the people were deserting me. You didn't come when you promised and the Philistines were gathering for war. So I took matters into my own hands. I didn't want to, but I offered the burnt offering myself. Huh. Well, Samuel told Saul how foolish he'd been, but more importantly, Saul hadn't kept God's commandment because he feared what man would do to him more than God. And he didn't trust God enough to come through, so he took matters into his own hands. And from that day, sadly, his kingdom, his dynasty, it just wasn't going to last. And Saul's weakest moment just plagued him right throughout his kingship because he kept fearing man rather than fearing God. He kept putting his fear of man before God. And he had this performance-based mindset which just leads to fear of he's either going to lose his position, fear of what people are going to think, fear that he feels inadequate as a king, that he doesn't look good. And that's all self before putting God first and I know because I've been there I've got the t-shirt I totally have got the t-shirt and I've seen it and you know I've done it myself and and it never ends well when we take matters into our own hands and I've learned a really hard lesson over my faith journey to not do that because instead of obeying God 
we fear man. And and even though it looks like it's all going to go pear-shaped for Saul, he, he just kept taking matters into his own hands and his calling, which eventually, like I said, led to his demise as a king. It just, it all went, it all went wrong for him because he didn't trust God. And we move on to the story in verse 22, 23. It says, does the eternal one delight in sacrifices and burnt offerings as much as in perfect obedience to his voice? This is Samuel telling Saul off, basically. Be certain of this, that obedience is better than sacrifice. To heed his voice is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as much as a sin as fortune telling and willfulness is as wicked as worshipping strange gods. Wow. Wow. Because you have <clears throat> rejected his commands, he has rejected you as king. Oh my gosh. That whole passage is just loaded with with just so King Saul's dynasty just crumbling round his knees. And it's in the waiting for the miracle. This is what God, this is what Samuel is saying, what God is saying. It, this is the true test of obedience. He's saying, Saul, I know you waited seven days, but, but you had to keep waiting. And, and it would have come good for you. But you didn't. You took matters into your own hands. And for ourselves, when we pray and ask God for something and we, we get the command from him to do something, which is just, okay, I've heard your request, just sit and wait. He gives you direct instructions. God does not confuse. He does not, um, he, he is a God of order, not a God of chaos. And if, if you have a clear distinction of what God has told you to do, then that is the last instruction. And if he hasn't said anything else, you just stick with that last instruction. And, and then we need not to break that command that he's told us and then take the matter into our own hands. And we need to revere God. We need to fear him more than man. And, that, and not a fear of, oh my gosh, it's God. It's a fear and reverence of who he is and who he is to us and what he's done for us. That's the fear of God because it, he can do so much more than what we can ever think or imagine. And, and, he's, and what he's asking for in the waiting is, are you going to be obedient? Are you going to just wait until I show you my glory, until I show you I'm the miracle working God, until I show you who I am to you? And when he asks us to do something and trust that that miracle is going to happen, it will. Because I know personally, when I've took matters in my own hands, it all goes pear-shaped. But when I wait on God, he does it. He, he answers a prayer in a way that just would, is so much better. It's so much better. And ever since the Garden of Eden, man has decided that a direct order from God of the angel armies, the creator of the universe, it, it isn't a strategic element in his battle strategy. And we feel it's more of a, a soft request. You know, when he said to Adam and Eve, do not eat from the tree in the middle of the garden, 
you know, it wasn't a soft request. It wasn't a, a, a oh, well, well I'll, I'll take it or leave it, um, uh, just a suggestion. No, it was a command because it was for their safety and for their own good. And we know all that turned out. They definitely took matters into their own hands. But, you know, that's a podcast for another day. But we need to be willing to obey to see God's breakthrough in our prayers. But the thing is, you know, when we take matters into our own hands, we make ourselves the God. And you know what? Revelation is we're not God and God is God. And it's when we fill the void of waiting and and that taking matters into our own hands, doing it our way with our, you know, our burnt offerings of religion that look really great on the outside. However, the aroma, like when King Saul did his burnt offerings, the aroma we're sending up to God, it absolutely stinks of self-preservation. And this is where we become stuck. And God commands, he does it for our protection and our safety, not because he likes bossing us around. Obedience, as far as God is concerned, is better than sacrifice. And that's the great news, friend, is that he just wants our obedience. And oh my gosh, it's it just works out so much better. And the void between the prayer and the miracle where we decide that we may just as well take matters into our own, own, own hands is, is where the ritual of, of religion interferes with God's strategy of timing. Because as far as King Saul was concerned, it's like, oh, I'm just going to do a burnt sacrifice and it's going to be amazing and God's going to love it. No, he's not because it was from the wrong motive. And this word ritual, um, it, it's the dictionary definition for the word is an established or prescribed procedure. And that's what we do in our rituals, in our, oh, it all looks good to everyone else, but it, it absolutely stinks to God because he's like, you're not being obedient to what I've asked you to do. And we send up our aromas, our petitions and all we want, but God's going, never mind about that. I just want your obedience. Simple, plain obedience. That's what God's looking for. He's not looking for rituals that look good to other people. He's saying, I just want your heart. I want your heart because I know then you'll be obedient to me. And a lack of obedience to what God is asking us to do is actually a lack of trust. And believe me, my friend, I am preaching to myself right now because, oh, it's sometimes it, it is hard. I know. And, and we dislike that free-fall feeling that God is asking us to do, you know, between the asking and the answer of our prayers, where we try to fill in the gaps in God's plan and take matters into our own hands. And all our ceremonial formalities, if they're done in a self-serving way, are just trying to bend God's command, bend his arm a little bit. You know, go, I'll come around my way of thinking, God. And that means we're just not trusting him. And we're not trusting him completely with the outcome. And, you know, we believe our faith-filled longing for a miracle, gut-wrenching prayers, that we feel like they're just rubber balls bouncing right off the ceiling and back into our laps. So, you know, it's okay, God. I'll take it from here. Thanks very much. But you know what, friend? We believe sometimes that this faith ride is 
is like the play it safe ride in in the playground but really it most times it feels more like the white knuckle ride <laughs> rather than the play it safe ride in the playground and we get really scared in the loops and turns of our faith so what do we do we take matters into our own hands but it's not all bad my friend um it it does come good and when you start being obedient to God it, it's amazing honestly what he does for you and he does it in ways that you never thought possible and it and then it's all glory to him not to yourself so take my advice today if there's anything you remember of this podcast just take my advice on this one thing just trust God's timing believe that he'll turn the situation around bring that miracle when the time is right Because God longs for us to put our trust in him rather than ourselves. And when we're obedient to his command and decide to not take matters into our own hands anymore, then that's, my friend, when our obedience is better than sacrifice. So where have you found you've prayed for something and the timing caused you to take matters into your own hands? How did that turn out for you? (laughs) And I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. To catch all the latest from me, you can subscribe to my website, thebigvoiceonline.com or follow me on Instagram, Wendy J. Parker Writer. See you soon.